If you would take your Bibles to back to the book of Genesis. Uh, last week we had our Thanksgiving dinner. The week before that, uh, Brother Sands spoke. But before that, we were together and we were looking at uh, the book of Genesis. And we looked for a couple weeks at the line of Cain, and then the line of, of Seth. And then the last time we were together, we were in chapter 6 in the first seven verses looking at the wickedness of of the world. And sometimes we get wrapped up in who um, the different individuals are, the different groups are that are found there, the sons of God and those sorts of things in this uh, section. But the emphasis here is on, on the wickedness. If you look back with me at chapter 6 and verse 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And so we see here the wickedness that was in the world brought great grief and displeasure to, to God. And so he pronounces his judgment on the earth. And we looked at all these verses, but we come to verse number eight and the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God and Noah begat sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. It's interesting to know as we go through the first seven verses, God talks about the wickedness of man and how terrible the world is. And then we see just a glimpse of the remnant that were there serving God. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor with God. And, and then Noah had children. And God gives us a description of Noah. And then it's right back to the wickedness and how wicked this world is filled with violence all throughout the earth. And so God pronounces his his judgment. You know, I wonder if we were writing this today, if God would say how wicked the world is. And from our perspective, we look around and we see the violence and just the wickedness of man, the immorality and just the adultery, the idolatry. The, I mean, just the uh, we live in such a, a pornographic world, uh, a world that is just day by day seems to getting further and further away from God. If we'd have this description, but then the church, there's, there's the church. And the days in which we live in, there's, there's the church. Think about it for just a moment. Sundays just like this, group of believers gathered together in this place. Throughout Anderson, there's other churches. Throughout the, the country, there's churches. Throughout the world, there's churches. But think about it for just a moment. In Noah's day, there was Noah. It was Noah that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we look at the grace that Noah found and examine his life from what you tell us. And may we examine our lives as well this evening. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In verse 8, it tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This simply means that Noah found favor in God's sight. And we know that because of this favor that he found, that him, Noah, and his family were able to escape this flood. I want you to listen to this verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we... Now, in Hebrews chapter 4, he's talking to believers. He's talking to those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They have a relationship uh, with God. And he says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need, to find grace in the time of need. He's talking to, to Christians that are going to go through some hardships and some trials, some difficulties in this life. And, and there have been many times throughout history that the world, uh, that we see that people have gone through hardships. And uh, no doubt Noah was about to go through some really big hardship to the point if it wasn't for the grace of God he would not survive because the flood was going to cover the whole earth and apart from God there was nothing that he could do to save himself or save his family and we come to the New Testament and the Bible tells us that we as believers are to come to the throne of grace that as we're going to go through these times of need that we can find grace to help us in those times. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he, speaking of God, condemned the, the world. Now, we see that Noah was saved from the flood because of his, because of his faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us, but without faith, just before that verse about Noah, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So the first thing that we understand about Noah's life from Scripture, from the, the, the very really few verses that we have on this man's life, is uh, most are found here in Genesis. There's about eight other times that Noah is referenced in Scripture. But from the, the, the glimpse that we are given of Noah's life is that this man was a man of faith. He believed God, he trusted God, and he lived his life for God. And so when we start to examine this man's life, we see why he um, found favor with, with God. Why he found favor with God. Long before the flood, Noah was a man of faith. Noah didn't just get told by God that, hey, this flood is coming, and so therefore he believed God and now he had faith in God. Now, how do we know that? Look at this. Our point, first point tonight is Noah's, Noah's character. Look with me at verse number nine. These are the generations of, of Noah. Now, up to this point, we have been told that men had children. These were their generations. They lived so long, and then they died. And then we have the next person. He lived so long, and then he died. We got to Enoch, and the Bible says he lived so long, he had these children, and he walked with God. And so then he was taken, and then we went back to the normal routine. He lived, he had children, he lived so long, and then he died. We, these are the generations. And then we come to Noah. These are the generations of Noah, and notice what God does. 
he doesn't go to directly to his lineage, the children that he had, but he goes to the character of Noah. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man a per- and perfect in the generations, and Noah walked with God. Then Noah begat these sons. So tonight I want you to see Noah's character. Why did Noah find favor with God? How can we find grace in the time of, in the time of need that we're going to go through in life? Well, number one, we see Noah's character. He was, he was a just man. This has the idea of, of righteous. Noah lived a righteous life because of his relationship with God, because who God is. Noah understood that, and he had learned that. Now, it's very interesting to think about that for just a moment. Remember I mentioned how uh, we live in a wicked world, and yet there's the church, and there's churches just like ours, and there's so many people, millions of people that know Jesus Christ as their Savior in the days in which we live. But in the midst of that dark world, and all of the wickedness, and all of the violence that was going on, there was Noah. The Bible doesn't say there was Noah and so and so and so and so. There was this group over here and and Cana. There was this group over here and Jerusalem. It wasn't all of these different churches and all these different groups coming together for one conference. There was Noah. Noah, in the midst of a dark, wicked world, the Bible says he was a just man. He lived righteously. We, it's so easy for us to justify our sinfulness in this life. It's so easy for us to, to justify why we are involved in sinful activity. And it's, it's just too hard to live for God in the world in which we live in today. Listen, that is, that is the worst cop-out there is for living and being involved in sin. Listen, you're not alone in this world. You're not having to do it by yourself. God has blessed you with other believers in this church or other places. He's blessed you with with pastors and, and Sunday school teachers. He's blessed you with family members that are Christians. We have all of these people in our life that we're doing this thing together. And Noah was there with, no doubt, just him and his wife and then, and then their children. It was, the, it was their family and that, that, that was it. And yet they were able to be just or be righteous in the world that they, that they lived in. Listen, it, it is not that difficult. It is not that difficult to live for God in the world that we find ourselves in. If we understand who God is, if we understand what God has done for us. See, the, 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 the problem is, is we lose sight of God's holiness and God's righteousness, the fact that God is the creator of this world, and we get focused on ourselves. And so we want to satisfy our flesh, or we want to give in to our own fleshly desires, and so we then justify, well, it's, it's not as bad as so-and-so. It's not as, as if I'm doing what they're doing. You know, I, listen, it's, it, it's just a little white lie. That's kind of how we justify it. Or I, it, it really is isn't that valuable or that important. Nobody's going to miss it if I steal it or take it. And so we justify our sinfulness as if it's no big deal. And it's just, and it's just a, it's just a cop out because we are selfish people. And that's what Noah was dealing with in his day. People that were just living for themselves. And we see that in this passage, they were giving into their flesh. And because of that, they were living wicked lives. Now, I know what you're, tell- what you're thinking right now. Listen, pastor, we're here on Sunday night, all right? 
we're not wicked people, all right? We're not wicked people. And, you know, we sing songs like, I'm only a sinner saved by grace, right? We, you know, we sing these, these songs. Don't you understand, you know, who we are? And, and the truth is, is that we justify our sinfulness because we live in this flesh and we live in this, in this world. And we shouldn't be justifying how much sin we're doing or the sin that we're involved in, but we should be striving to be more like Jesus and desiring to live righteously as Noah found himself doing and not make excuses, not make excuses. Inevitably, you get onto a child and what, what do they say? I know, but, right? I know, but. Listen, but it doesn't matter. You disobeyed. You broke the rule. You didn't do what you were told or you did what I told you not to do. But we all have excuses. And unfortunately, they're not going to stand. Noah was a just man in the midst of a wicked world. The Bible also says here that he was perfect. The idea there is is blameless. Not that he was without sin, but that he had no blatant faults. He was a man of moral integrity amongst the people. When you talked about somebody that loved God, Noah came to mind. When you talked about somebody that did that which is right, Noah comes to mind. You know, the sad truth is, is those are the people today that get mocked in our world. You know, if you try to live right, and we know that if you try to live godly in this world, you're going to suffer persecution. But the sad truth is, even in the, in the midst of a Christian world, we and churches and you know organizations like this, we find that you know those that try to do right, it's like, oh, you think you're better than everybody else. But the truth is, is no, they're 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 just having the character that God expects for them to have. So when when they think of somebody that's truthful. Do they think of you? When they think of somebody that, that is going to be helpful to others, are they going to think of you? Do they think of somebody that, that um, is vulgar? Do they think of you? Do they think of somebody that's a liar? Do they, do they think of you? Do, see, that's what it's talking about. Everybody understood throughout the community Noah's character. And they understood that this was a man that was going to do right, no matter what. Why? Because the next point, what it says here, Noah, not only was he perfect in his generations, Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. This is literally the outworking of his righteousness, of his relationship uh, with God. We saw, we saw this in chapter 5, verse 24, with, with Enoch. But walking with God um, in Noah's case, probably involved him praying, probably him involved in doing the sacrifices that God uh, that had called him to do. It, it, it called for him to have certain character that we have seen over and over again. And so we see that Noah uh, walked with God. That was his testimony. It was the outworking of his relationship with, with God. So walking with God gives the picture of intimacy and time with, with God, probably through prayer and communication with, with God. And so, and so we see here this man's relationship, his character, um, his relationship with God affected all of his character. We also learn in this passage that he did 
accord, not only did he walk with God, but he did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Look down at verse 22. The Bible says, thus Noah did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he, verse 5, and Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. This is emphasized here in this, in this passage, and we learn from Hebrews 11, verse 7, of Noah's obedience. It came because he, he, believed, he believed God. He, he simply took God at his word and did what he was, was told to do. That was his character. And then in the New Testament, another passage we learn of his, he was a preacher of righteousness according to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. So not only did he live a righteous life, but he proclaimed the need for righteousness in the world that he lives in. Think about that for just a moment. Everybody's wicked. Everybody is evil. And here's Noah preaching righteousness. What does that mean to be a preacher of righteousness? Noah called out sin and challenged people to live righteously. See, what we have happening in our society today is um, we laugh at sin. From, from a world's perspective, it's, we, we mock it as if it's no big deal. We joke about, we joke about sin. And so what happens is, is we have a generation that sees it as no big, no big deal. It's not really that big of a deal if I'm involved in this activity or, or what we have happening is, well, you're not hurting anybody, you're not bothering anybody, so it's not that big of a deal. And that's not what Noah did. Noah preached righteousness and he called out sin and called for people to live righteously. And we live in a generation that uh, our world is filled with quote-unquote churches that are preaching and really not preaching, but giving seminars on, on being the best that you can be and, and having a better life and feeling good about yourself. And, and let's not talk about sin. And because we don't like to be convicted or challenged about the things that we're involved in or the things that we're doing. But listen, literally, that's what God wants to happen. And that's what we need to happen in our life. And so Noah was a man of character. And I'm willing to say that if we are not willing to stand up against sin, it says something about our character. If we're willing to justify sin, it says something about our character. If we're willing to allow sin to happen and take place, it says something about our character. Uh, you know, I've told you the illustration about, you know, I go and, and play golf sometimes by myself and they'll put me with somebody and, and you know, they'll begin to use language and, and it just, it, it grates at me. And there's some things that I can put up with and I said, but, you know, as soon as somebody takes the Lord's name in vain, it's, you know, the gloves come off, like we're going to fight. No, I'm just kidding. And, um, you know, but I'm just like, you know, I, I can't handle that. I, I can't handle it. And, you know, and so I, you know, I, I, I have to say something to them. And, uh, you know, and sometimes I, I get up there in the first, you know, first hole and I realize very quickly, this is not going to go very well because the first 37 words that they said were vulgar. And I'm just like, okay, guys, you guys go ahead. I'll find somebody else to play with. But what we say as Christians is, well, we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to make them uncomfortable. Well, what do you think conviction is? 
Like God convicts me all the time. And you know what happens when I'm convicted? I'm uncomfortable. And I realize what I did was wrong and I need to get that confessed and taken care of. And if I've wronged somebody else, I need to make that right with them because I'm uncomfortable in that situation. Nobody ever said, hey, man, bless God, I'm a, I'm a sinner. Praise the Lord. Maybe I should accept Jesus. Isn't it great that I'm a sinner? Like, that should not be our reaction to, to sin as if it's no big deal. And for the Christian, we definitely sh shouldn't feel good about the sin that we're involved in. And we, but we also have to be willing to challenge the sin that's in this world. And we've heard, you know, the, the quote that, you know, what does it take to lose this generation? For us to do nothing, basically. For us to sit by and, well, you just, we don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers. Or we don't want to hurt people's feelings. And, and, or we don't want to be mocked. We don't want to be persecuted. Let me encourage you sometimes, go through the, the book of Acts. And look at the different times Paul was persecuted. Paul wasn't having a dinner party for the community when he was persecuted. Everywhere he went, he went to the synagogue, preached the gospel, got kicked out. Preached the gospel, got run out of town. Preached the gospel, got stoned. Preached the gospel, had to be let out a window. Preached the gospel, was left for dead. Everywhere, you, when you look at what Paul was doing, all the persecution that came into his life, all of the difficulties he went, why? What did he do? Everywhere he went, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ because he understood that that's what people needed. He was a preacher of, of righteousness. And that, that, was his, that was his character. And that's what we should be as well. There's a missionary by the name of Don Sisk. Many of you, some of you probably heard of him. Don Sisk was a pioneer missionary, I mean, way back when in, in Japan. He's probably in his 90s right now, still travels and preaches and uh, Brother Sisk has been back from the field. Uh, his wife died several years ago. They were with, he was the president of BIMI, the mission board, uh, for a long time. And I remember I've had several opportunities to play golf with Brother Sisk. And I remember the first time that I got the opportunity to play golf with him. And uh, we were playing golf. And next thing I know, I turned around and he's gone. I mean, here this guy is in his 80s. And I'm, you know, worried that, you know, he's going to break a hip or something out here playing golf. So I'm trying to take care of him and help him. I turn around and he's gone. And I look over and he's like three holes over here. And like, it's his turn. There are people behind us wanting to play and we're waiting for, for this guy. And, um, and so I walk over there and you know what he's doing? He has a track about Payne Stewart's life. And he saw a guy over there by himself and saw the opportunity to come over and share the gospel with him. And I come over, I was like, hey, hey brother, sis, hey, we need to, you know, it's, it's our turn. They can wait. They can wait. And, and it, they can wait. And so next thing I know, we're, we go a hole again. Next hole or two, we're, I turn around, he's gone again. And I'm like, this is supposed to take us like four hours and we're going to be out here for 14 hours at the pace that we're going. Everywhere he went, he I mean, and every time we played golf together, that guy, he found somebody to share the gospel with at the golf course. Like that's literally why I think he went to play golf was to look for somebody to, to share the gospel with. I mean, he was a preacher of the gospel. That's what God called him to do. And that's what his life was, was about. 
He understood we live in a wicked world and this world needs Jesus Christ. That was Noah's character. He understood the need for the world and what was, what was coming. What was coming. So number one, we see Noah's character. Number two, we see the need. Noah was preaching because of the worldwide flood. Now, we don't, we don't face that flood. Look with me, if you would, back at chapter 6. Or, excuse me, jump over to chapter 9, if you would, in verse 8. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you, and with your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl of the cattle and of every beast of the cattle with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. So Noah faced this great flood, but we understand that we're never going to have a worldwide flood again. And the next, <coughs> excuse me, ver five verses or so, he's going to give the rainbow as a constant reminder of, of God's promises. But the need that we have today is the fact that the world is going to end as we know it. I want you to go over with me to the New Testament in 2 Peter chapter 3. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter reminds us that just as the world was destroyed by water, so it will be destroyed by fire. Look with me at verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in a holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Peter tells us that the earth is not going to be destroyed with water as God had promised, but there is a coming judgment. There is a coming judgment of, of fire, and one day we're all going to have to stand before the Lord, and we're going to have to give, we're going to have to give an account. Look at verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace 
without spot and, and blameless. He says there is a coming judgment. There was a judgment that Noah was going to face, a judgment of water. And Noah found grace, and God provided that ark. And Peter says there's coming a judgment, and that judgment should impact the way that you live your life. He talks about the conversation and that we are to live godly and that we're to be found in Jesus Christ and have peace with, with God. And so that brings us then to my final point tonight. Okay, Noah's character was the reason that he found favor with God. Noah was a man of faith, and that impacted how he lived his life. We are going to go through times of trouble in this life, and we know that there's a coming, coming judgment. So that brings us then to our life. What our character should be like? Well, we must be just in his sight. We must be just in his sight. The good news of the gospel is that God sent Christ to die on the cross so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so for us, in the days in which we live in, we understand by faith we receive Jesus Christ and we receive his righteousness. It's always been by faith. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We understand that. And when we get to Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, he found righteousness. Abraham's faith was counted unto him for righteousness. Our faith in Christ, we receive righteousness. Today, the, the righteousness that is going to keep us from this judgment that we read about in 2 Peter is the righteousness of Christ in our life. That's the character that we must first have. So many people today are, are, are trying to live according to, according to religion. I, I, would, I would imagine in Noah's day, there was probably religion. There always has been religion. People doing sacrifices, people doing things for gods or even for the one that they believe is the true God and, and doing it in their own power, their own strength, their own way. That, that has been going on since, since the fall. And no doubt there was religious cults and circles in the days of, of Noah. And, and God said, yeah, all of that is wickedness. The same is true for us today. What we do apart from God and out of God's plan is, is wickedness. Everything that we do in our own power our, from our own understanding is, is wickedness. It must be according to God's will and God's, God's plan. And God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. And so we must receive Christ as our Savior to have the righteousness of God in us. We must be perfect here. The idea here is to be uh, complete mature to be everything that God desires and God tells us that in Christ we have everything we have everything uh, in Jesus Christ we must walk with God as well apart from Christ we cannot walk with God and there's so many verses all throughout Ephesians chapter Ephesians but particularly in Ephesians chapter 5 it talks about our walk with God, walking in love, walking, uh, but it starts with um, being a follower of God, being in Jesus Christ. Uh, we're not walking with God in our own power, our own strength, in our own righteousness, and the things that we're doing here in this life. We can only walk with God through Christ. And so over and over in the New Testament, it talks about that relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. It gives us the beautiful pictures of being a part of his family and fellowshipping with him and walking 
walking with him. Our character, we must be in Jesus Christ. Because that changes everything for us. We must do all that the Lord has, has commanded in the days in which we live. We must be then preachers of righteousness as well, proclaimers of the gospel. This is who we should be in this, in this wicked world around us. Why? Because there's a coming judgment. And the world needs to hear the truth. Now I want you to notice as we finish up tonight, the Bible tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace and he began to get instruction from God on how to overcome the coming judgment. And so what did Noah do? He began to build a boat. He began to follow God's instructions and pr prepare for um, safety and being saved from, from the coming judgment. But he also continued to preach. He, he preached the, and, and told those around him and the world about the coming judgment and how they can be how they can be saved. So when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, in the sight of God, we are righteous. We are without blame. We are part of His family. We have a relationship with Him. Now our job on this life is, as we look forward to the judgment that's coming, is to be preachers. Is to share the message about the judgment that's coming and the way of escape through Jesus Christ. And notice, listen, Noah didn't just build a boat. He didn't just build a boat. But he also preached the message. And God has told us we're to live our lives here for him. We're to prepare our lives and to be conformed to the image of Christ and, and live our life. But we, we're to preach the message and to go into the world and and preach the gospel. And I believe that's probably the greatest evidence, as I was studying about the life of Noah, probably the greatest evidence of his character was the fact that he was a preacher of righteousness. That he was one that went out and shared the message because he knew what was coming. It showed that he had a relationship with God. It showed that his relationship with God was important and he understood what that relationship meant. It showed that he cared for others in the way that God cared for others. The same should be true for us as Christians today. Listen, we know that we're going to heaven one day. We have been saved by the grace of, by the grace of God. But our character, I believe, is seen by the way we live our life. Do we justify sin? Do we live however we want? Or, or are we seeking to live righteously? But then, are we preachers of righteousness? You can't know that there's a building on fire and not, not help. What would you think of somebody that sat there on the curbside and just watched the building burn and people were inside and they just sat there and watched? Didn't call 911 let alone go inside and help anybody. They just sat there and watched it burn. We would say those people are sadistic. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, there's something wrong with those people. 
There's, there's an issue. What is our natural expectation in, in the flesh? Hey, go get help. Go get help. The, the caring person, the kind person, the loving person, go get help. Listen, we have a, a gospel message. And we've been commanded by God. But I believe probably the, one of the greatest illustrations of our character is what we do with that message. Are we preachers of righteousness? We have found grace if we're in Jesus Christ. We have been saved by the grace of God. And listen, there is grace to be found when we're going through times of trouble and we have the heartaches come and as we live for God, He's going to be there. We understand that. But there's a wicked world around us that needs us to preach the gospel. Noah found grace in the sight of God, in the eyes of God. He found God's favor in his life. He found escape from that flood. He had a relationship with God, and that relationship was seen through the way he lived his life and through the message that he preached. We have a relationship with God, and that should be seen by the way that we live our lives and the message that we preach. Father, thank you for your word tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you'd encourage us Lord, in this world that we live in, that you're still working, Lord, we know that. But Lord, help us, Lord, to show our character, show our relationship with you through being preachers of the gospel and warning the world of the coming judgment that they will face apart from Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.